With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. In News 101. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Thank God it's Friday! Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. All men and women created by go, you know the go, you know the thing. Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. The moment that you felt that gun to your back, what was that like? It was surreal, honestly. Uh, I never thought it was going to happen. I really didn't. That is a man by the name of Vince Ritchie, and he lives in Southern California. And there are a number of interesting things about what happened to him not quite two weeks ago. And I want to tell you about them. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. I have to admit, I have a dog in the fight. Just like Vince Ritchie, I have a concealed carry permit. Now, have I ever had to pull the gun out? No. I hope I never end up in the kind of situation he was in on the 4th of November. He was returning home to his home. He had been to the gym. He was digging his keys for his for the front door of his house, a very nice house, couple million dollar house in Southern California. He's an entrepreneur. He makes a good income. He carries a he has a concealed carry permit to carry a gun. And guess what happened on camera on the video cameras on his home? You see armed robbers, a number three, either two or three of them who attempt to force him into his house. It looks like an, uh, an attempted armed invasion, home invasion robbery. They were unsuccessful because as they came up to him and pointed a gun at him, put a gun in the back of his head, he pulled his own gun and began shooting at the bad guys. Now, I think that was exactly the right thing to do. The police did not accuse Mr. Ritchie of any crime, but the L.A. Police Department has now taken away his concealed carry permit. You say, hold on a second. This guy just came under attack from armed robbers at his home. He manages to fight them off and shoot at them. I wish he'd been able to hit all of them, but he shot at them. Did the police take away his gun because he shot at the bad guys? No. The L.A. Police Department told Vince Ritchie that he was losing his concealed carry permit, at least for now, because he yelled at the police officers for doing sloppy police work, including, for example, if you asked anybody, if there was a shooting incident somewhere, what is the very one piece of evidence you would always expect the police to pick up? 
And you'd say, well, spent shell casings, of course. So you can identify the good guy's gun because the shell casings will show ejector marks from the good guy's gun. And you'll also find other shell casings that presumably came from the guns fired by the bad guys. And that means if the LAPD ever finds the bad guys, and apparently they're not exactly uh, breaking the land speed record to do that, they would be able to say, you are connected to spent shell casings from this attempted home invasion robbery. But he yelled at the police, said, you're doing sloppy police work. So you know what they did? I, I kid you not, I have always been a supporter of police, but I've always done a caveat. And I've told people who call this show, I always support the police unless they break their own rules or break the law. In this case, they're telling a citizen, we are going to effectively disarm you because you yelled at us for doing sloppy police work. And he made a good point about not collecting the spent shell casings from the scene of a crime, an attempted home invasion robbery. I think that is dead wrong. I think they are retaliating against Vince Ritchie because of that. And he's already out there within two weeks of this happening, happened on the 4th, today's the 17th. So he's out there already with the message. You better exercise your Second Amendment rights because if you don't, you might just lose them. And in this case, you might just lose them to the people who are already paid full time to try to keep things safe in any given city. Welcome to First Amendment Friday. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, and I might get some good naysayers today, it's 866-439-5277. If you want to send an email instead, talk at LarsLarson.com. You can vote my Twitter poll. You'll find the daily question, a brand new one every day, at Lars Larson Show on Twitter or X, uh, also on our website at LarsLarson.com. So, this interview was done, and I'll give full credit to Marla Telez, who is an, a news anchor for Fox 11. That's KTTV in Los Angeles. So give her credit for the interview. She talked to Vince Ritchie about what happened that night and about the fears he had for his family's safety. Take a listen. Uh, born and raised in the Bronx, New York, and I came here for a better life. And I came here to uh, introduce my family to a better life in sunny California. And I never would have thought that this ever was going to happen in a million years. And that Lord turned around. And the first thing I thought, I feared for my family and I feared for my daughter. Feared for my daughter. Because inside that house was his wife, the little girl's nanny, and his little girl. And he was fearful for that. And he managed to do the very right thing. And now the LAPD blo blasted for doing sloppy police work, including alleged negligence in picking up shell casings scattered near the home as evidence. Vince Ritchie said he was compelled to come forward. Uh, Vince, why are you deciding to come forward now? Because if I if I don't speak up, nothing's going to happen. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the investigation. I don't think that the police department is going to prop support from local officials. I know the district attorney has constantly dropped the ball recently. We live in a lawless society in, in California and Los Angeles, and especially in this state with this with this governor, the lack thereof. Or lack thereof. He's talking about, of course, Gavin Newsom, the guy who has plenty of security for himself, but for the average citizen in that state, and this is going to be a bigger problem. I realize that right now police are very much, and I do intend the pun, under the gun. They're being criticized by everybody from Black Lives Matter to Antifa to politicians and the rest. But the very last thing that I think that any police department in America should do is retaliate against a citizen and say, if you tell us that you don't like the way we're doing your the job, 
when you've just come under an armed attack and had to fight for your life because we weren't there to protect you? If you criticize us, then you're going to lose your carry permit. Well, as of today, Vince Ritchie has no carry permit. And if you say, well, he can still own a gun in his home. Let me ask you to think about this, and I'd encourage you, we'll post it on my website. I'll get Donovan to post it on my website. Take a look at the video of this attack. He's walking up to the front door of his house. He's surrounded by two other walls, and he's in a, basically a little alley about 15 or 20 feet long. He doesn't have his keys out, so he can't open his front door and go inside. He has no place to retreat, and he's got at least two armed robbers who are shooting at him down this alleyway, what else was he supposed to do? And if you say, well, he can own a gun in his house, how much good do you think it would have done Vince Ritchie if his pistol had been inside his house or locked up in a safe and not on his person? He'd probably be dead right now. His family might well have been threatened. The robbers might have gotten away with a crime. At least the LAPD would not have been criticized. And right now, I know that various news organizations, including the Daily Mail, have reached out to the LAPD. So far, there is no comment. And you might know this as well. In some states, it's relatively easy to get a carry permit. In about half of American states, you can carry if the Constitution says you, ha you can. If you're a citizen, you're not a felon, you haven't been committed to a mental hospital, you aren't involved in domestic violence, you can carry a gun, and you don't even need a permit from the damn government to be able to carry a gun. It's called constitutional carry. That is already the case in more than half, just slightly more than half of American states. But in California, it is notoriously hard to to get a carry permit you can't even get one unless you live in the state and even then it's hard and then they take his carry permit away because he's critical of police something is very very wrong it's first amendment friday your calls are welcome at 866 hey lars that's 866-439-5277 you're listening to the lars larson show and the radio northwest network With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you bloody well right, you know he got a right to say 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Well, thank God for First Amendment Friday because the lies of striking teachers and their labor union and the politicians deserve bold answers. Striking teachers always tell you it's all about the kids. Now, allegedly, this strike, in part, was to get class sizes down just a bit. But unionized teachers just gave that up and told the Portland district, go on, keep the class sizes the same. Just pay us extra for all the extra kids. Do any parents think that's going to improve education, or is it only going to upgrade the teachers' bank accounts? That's just the deal that Camus Washington teachers agreed to, so they can make it look like they want better classroom sizes for kids and then trade that in exchange for more pay. By the way, top pay for a part-time job of teacher in Portland public schools is just short of $100,000 a year, plus a very generous benefits package. Consider that as well. Governor Tina Kotek, an unabashed union supporter, got called out this week for staying on the sidelines during a strike that's hurting the kids badly. So, predictably, she came out with a statement saying, I'm doing all I can. Meanwhile, we now know that kids won't be back in class until at least after Thanksgiving if then. Graduating seniors point out they're missing deadlines for early application to college. And you still don't have to know how to read, write, or count to get a diploma. From Twitter, my talk buddy Ari Hoffman posted, Meet Sarah Potter, third grade teacher for the Seattle Public Schools, who co-sponsored the pro-Hamas resolution for the Seattle Education Association. Like so many in academia, Sarah supports whatever is trendy that week, everyone, of course, except the Jews. And our question of the day, this one comes in from Mark Lars. As you know, the Portland Teachers Union demands more time for class preparation. I fully understand math, chemistry, physics, or advanced technical instructor need some time to prepare. A kindergarten teacher, not responsibility of the, of the instructor, and not a blanket coverage for every teachers union member. I was lucky. I had good teachers all the way through high school. We learned how to build houses and weld and take care of animals, and more than anything, responsibility for one's own actions and conduct. These values are long gone, I'm afraid. Try to have a nice weekend anyway. Signed, Mark. Now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. So I got a note this morning. Good morning, Lars. Please don't use my name. Well, I won't use the name. But I want to let you know I work at Boeing Portland. Yes, there is a Boeing Portland. There's currently a protest going out in front of our gates chanting free Palestine. And apparently they blocked the gates. Shame on those people for supporting terrorism and shame on them for attacking a legitimate business here in the Northwest. Today's best email. This one comes in from Dan. Lars, yesterday you talked about the fact that attorneys under Oregon's new only one in the nation plan would have to do 650 hours of apprenticeship as an alternative to taking the bar. A job that, like you said, can cost somebody their life, their freedom, their livelihood, their rights, their property. In comparison, according to Oregon, someone who wants to get a hairstylist certificate in this state needs 455 hours. A job that at worst will give you a few bad day days of bad hair and can be covered with a 
the hat, signed Dan in Portland. To your calls on this First Amendment Friday, let's start with our first naysayer of the day, and that's Jim calling in from San Juan Island in Washington State, listening on the Radio Northwest Network. Jim, what do you and I disagree about today? Thank you, Lars. First time caller, and I can't believe I'm a naysayer, but I know a little bit of cops and what they have to do. Um, I'm a, and just to give you a little context, I'm, I'm a patriot. I'm a big defender of the Second Amendment, and I believe in traditional American values. But here it is. The cops show up because there's an emergency of some kind generally, and they have to take control of the situation. Now, think about the guy who shot at the robbers. God bless him. But he just fired a gun. So there, there's a guy there who just fired a gun, and he's yelling at them. Put yourself in the cop's place. They have to take control. Remember the cop uh, years ago when Obama was president and they arrested uh, this black professor because he was shouting at the cops? Well, because you know, it looked you, like he was breaking into his house and then he started screaming at the cops. But here's the thing I don't understand, what? Jim. The emergency was over by the time the police arrived later. He's then, he's then criticizing the cops for doing sloppy police work. He has a First Amendment right to do that. Government doesn't have a right to punish him for First Amendment free speech. He was not threatening the cops. But then days later, they decide to pull his carry permit. Think of the good reason you'd have, not for disarming somebody in that moment at that time. The police might say, hey, while we're standing here talking, we'd like you to hand us your gun. Then they should hand him his gun back. Instead, because he criticizes them, they take away his right to carry a concealed weapon. Not that moment or that hour or while the aftermath of that incident is going on. They take away his right to carry a concealed weapon for maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe months. We don't know. What's the good reason for that? Right. Right. Well, here's, here's what you're not saying. Originally, you said he was yelling at the cops. Yeah, well, he yelled, he said, he thing. described it himself as he said, the cops took my carry permit away because they yelled at them for doing sloppy work by not gathering up all the evidence of the scene. That was hours later. Okay, so it's a little bit, there's a little bit complicated here, but I just want you to understand that he shouldn't have yelled at them on the scene after he had fired a gun. And they, and what they should have done was just take the gun away for a day or two or something yeah okay yeah so, so, so the armed robbers can come back the next night and 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 shoot him dead the next night oh well you got a point there well i'm just so asking is, is it the job when the police can't be there you know that when seconds count and in this case it was probably tenths of seconds that counted the police are minutes away in the case of Seattle and Portland, they're 20 minutes away for a lights and siren call. So should the police retaliate against somebody who's critical of their agency for not doing their job? If that's their motivation, no, they shouldn't. But all, I'm, all I want to get across, Lars, is when he yelled at them at the scene of a crime... I don't know that he even gun. yelled at them at the scene because clearly he says what he criticized them for is he said, you didn't gather up all the evidence of the scene. Now, I doubt the cops went out and picked up all the shell casings or failed to do it in the, you know, in the 20 or 30 minutes after the crime was attempted. But he was critical of the L.A. police. And, and he says they told him that's why they took away his permit. Well, what I want people to know is if there's a cop on the scene, don't be agitated. Don't try and be a problem because... 
they will take control of the situation if they have to. Now, I guess there's information we don't have. No, all I'm telling you is he, he was critical of the way they handled the evidence at the scene. And I said that in the opening to the show. And after that, they decided you are losing your concealed carry permit. So they're deliberately disarming somebody who is just the victim of an attempted armed home invasion robbery. Well, I hope he didn't yell at them at the scene. If he did not yell at them at the scene after the incident, I, I hold him faultless. Well, okay. you know what? As far as I'm concerned, every single citizen has a right to be as critical as they want of government, and government does include the cops. But, Jim, you're a good naysayer. Thanks for the call from San Juan Island. It's First Amendment Friday. It's the Lars Larson Show, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. Don't get me started on the Federal Reserve. I hate the Federal Reserve with a passion because they always seem to want to step on the gas after the economy is already going. They want to step on the brakes long past the point when you need to step on the brakes. They always seem to be at least a beat off from what, where the economy is and what is needed. And frankly, having a pseudo-government, pseudo-private agency where the people at the top, so it's not fully a government agency, it's not fully private either, have so much control over our economy, and the people at the top of that organization make millions and millions of dollars, and then they get to monkey around with interest rates in a way that I think the uh, private sector would be much better at. I thought we'd ask our friend Nick Shivers about that. He's one of the great supporters of this program in his real estate business, the Nick Shivers team. Nick, i got to ask you this. The Fed, we're told, is likely to make significant cuts in interest rates next year, beginning as early as March. So they've spent the last couple of years doing nothing but jack the rates up. I'm not sure whether it did any good. And now they're already already deciding to cut the rates back down. Can you help sort this out and tell us whether or not any of this nonsense is likely to make it more likely that America can buy a home in the coming year? Well, I wish I could tell you what Jerome Powell's going to do, but it's kind of like he's driving a car looking in the rearview mirror. Um, so the, the, they have been very, very strong on making sure inflation comes down, Lars. And one of the things that he is make, trying to make sure is he wants unemployment to go up, and those job numbers are, are continuing to stay strong. So you know, if I could tell you if if the if they were going to cut rates, I mean, the dot plot says the the likelihood is good, but I mean, Lars, it is a challenge. This, if we go back to 2021, we had an interest rate at 3.1 percent. Now we're, you know, the last three three weeks we've seen uh, uh, interest rates going down to about 7.3. That is a difference of comparing to 2021 to this time. It's $3,046 payment on a $550,000 house compared to an $1,878 payment, which is a wow. big challenge. That's a big challenge, and that is why home, uh, home values are staying stable because we don't have a lot of homes on the market. But the, the, the amount of transactions that are happening, it, it is very, it's the lowest in a long, long time just because of the affordability. 
I mean, because when he says, you know, we'll drop rates when inflation comes under control, we don't really have inflation under control right now. It's at least 50% higher, uh, almost almost 75% higher than it was when Joe Biden took the oath of office. It was just below 2% then. Now it's in, what, 3.7 or 3.6 or right now. So it's a, it's a very high rate of inflation right now compared to the day that Joe Biden took office. But now the Fed says, oh, we can already foresee next year inflation will be low enough that we can start cutting interest rates again. Because when are these guys ever right about their predictions? Uh, they haven't. They, 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 like I said, they drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. And, Lars, we know that if we did that, that would be a problem. Um, CPI just came I, last Tuesday. I think it popped down to 3.2. So, the, the, I mean, they are putting the housing market in a recession for the amount of transactions. The, for home homeowners, the good news is home values haven't come down just because new inventory is at the lowest it, it is in history. Inventory is rising. Why? Because interest rates have been high. And it's kind of weird because when interest rates go down, then inventory goes down. And when interest rates go up, inventory goes up because there's less potential buyers in the market. Right. But that's what – but if they're saying that – I mean, some of these predictions are, are really massive. They said slowing inflation may enable a two and a three quarters percent drop in interest rates over the course of the year. So in the next 12 months, they're saying we think we can cut interest rates by two, two and three quarters percent. Should we believe that? And should people base their plans? Some of them, the plans that are the most impactful thing that any family could do, which is buy a house or sell a house that they, they can anticipate they're going to go down by two and three quarters percent in the next 12 months. Yeah, when I'm advising home buyers, I am always telling them this. The likelihood of interest rates coming down are probably pretty good based off on all the economic indicators. But the, the one thing that we want to make sure we do, Lars, is if they can't afford it today, they pro unless their income is going to go up significantly, they probably should not buy. Now, the good thing is because inventory is going up, a lot of buyers that we're uh, helping, we're talking about getting the seller to pay for rate buy-downs because eventually, again, and I have no clue when, eventually the, the rates will go down and then they could be refi. But the thing is, if you can't afford it today, don't do it because we do not want to get people in trouble like happened in 2008. Yeah, and in fact, I, I can remember, Nick, about a year ago, I was talking to people because I do some ads for mortgage companies and like American Financing, and I, I said, uh, do you have any idea when rates are going to change direction? They said, well, you know, the optimistic people say, buy this fall. Well, that hasn't happened. It went the other way. And the pessimistic people say, by first quarter, January, February, March of next year. And that doesn't appear likely, although now the Fed is trying to, what, throw this out so they can, you know, but if their idea is to get inflation under control, and you're just telling everybody, just hold on for a few months, and then you'll be able to buy, because we're going to cut, they're talking about a, a cut in half of their current rate. Their current rate is five and a half. They're talking about cutting it to 275. That's a 50% drop in interest rates that they're saying is going to happen uh, or likely to happen in the next 12 months. And I just wonder, because do they realize all these multi-multi-millionaires who run the Fed, do they have any co any idea the consequences of information like that and whether or not it's valid or not that it has on average folks? 
Yeah, that, that is that is an issue. And, and the fact is, if interest rates, if they did do that that quickly, Lars, then unfortunately our affordability on the houses, because, again, we just don't have, we're at historic low levels of new inventory. Now, home builders, uh, they, they would be licking their chops because values would either stay where they are or significantly shoot up. Because we still, even in this market, with interest rates being at 7 and 3.35%, um, the, the market is still chugging along, and home values in certain areas have not went down. In some areas, they've dropped, but maybe 3 4% max. And so what they're doing is, if, in, if the inventory of houses available to buy is still low, and then they drop the rates, demand is going to shoot up to be matched with a very low inventory. What's going to happen to prices? They, they will skyrocket again, and that is a problem. So then you have to go back to the local uh, government and say, make it easier for builders to actually build houses without having 25 You, you do believe in cost. Santa Claus, don't you, Nick? You, <laughs> yes, you do. I do. You, I still do. I'm a kid, <laughs> Lars. I'm a kid. <laughs> I mean, because getting the, I mean, I've made that pitch for a long time, Nick, saying, why don't you tell your local government, you know, cut the cost of system development charges or permit fees and all the rest of this nonsense, or even have a vacation of 12 months or 18 months. Say we're going to wipe out most of the fees for the next 12 to 18 months to boost the supply, except that none of these jokers ever seem like they're capable of thinking that way. All they can think is, no, we need you to pay us six figures before you even put a shovel in the dirt. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. That's Nick Shivers, one of the supporters of this program. And when big changes like this come along, we call on Nick for his expertise and what that means for you and for me. Glad to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls, too, at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll. You're going to find a brand new question each and every day at Lars Larson Show. Today's question, should Biden and Trump face the same charges for illegally hand in illegal handling of classified documents? Back in a moment. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.
some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy. Look, if you hate cops just because of cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Our Twitter poll on this First Amendment Friday, should Joe Biden and Donald Trump face the same charges for illegal handling of classified docs? Where we're told today that a year-long investigation into Joe Biden, who's held illegally onto classified docs for the better part of half century, he admits to doing it for 49 years he will face no charges whatsoever donald trump in the on the mean not donald trump at the same time is facing criminal charges for hanging on to documents that he had every right to hang on to so with that in mind i also want to give you this update about 25 years ago mrs carter rosalind carter was a guest on this show i wish there was a computer crash so we don't have the interview anymore uh, we are told that she is entering hospice care just like her husband jimmy uh the president former president of the united states she's entering hospice care down in plains georgia and that is a a sad statement but was it, it, even though we disagreed politically it was nice to be able to visit with a former first lady way back then let me go first to tom who's a nays here tom what do you and i disagree about today yeah, um, you keep saying teachers make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I I look. No, it up I didn't say that, Tom. I said Portland teachers, top did. of pay scale, make just short of a hundred thousand. Portland teachers, yeah, the well, ones who are like, on strike it's, right it's now. Thirty, it's thirty to sixty thousand. Uh, that's not I've true, Tom. Tom, can I, I can I straighten you out on this? I'm talking about yeah. Portland teachers because they're the ones on strike. They start I Portland teachers. Hold on. They start port. They Tom, if you want Tom, if you want to call and correct me, let me correct you. The beginning Portland teacher with zero years of experience starts at just above fifty thousand a year. Now I understand the statewide average is different, but averages are deceptive. And the reason I'm talking about Portland teachers, why do you think I'm talking about Portland teachers today? Hey, I, I disagree. They don't need more money. I agree. I agree. I, 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 I didn't ask you that. I, I said, why do you think we're talking about Portland teachers today? Because they're the ones that are on strike. Portland teachers start above 50000 a year. They top out north of $97,000 a year. But interesting naysayer. Let's go to John. John, is it true that you saw those protesters who blocked the gates at the Portland Boeing facility? Tell me what you saw. They're jumping all over the windshield, beating on the sides of it. They're trying to open the doors to the truck. One of the guys says, hey, he just punctured the SAIA driver's tire. And right now, people are trying to come into work, and they're pushing cars back. They're letting people out, but I've heard they're throwing rocks at cars. Can't believe there's no cops here. This is nuts. These people are uh, pro-Hamas. John, are you, are, you a, are you a worker at the Boeing facility? Okay, um, and I know everybody's sensitive about, well, the boss doesn't want, but tell me this, th these are pro-Palestine uh, demonstrators, or can you tell me what you're seeing that indicates why they're trying to block the gates at Boeing? I have no idea about that. Okay, there, there's something there, on the web, like some, if you Google, like some protest, you can, you can find it. Okay, but you're not seeing any signs or anything else? They're just protesters blocking the gates at the Portland Boeing facility? Their signs are, you know, free Hamas and free Palestine and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so they're they're pro-terrorism protesters, right? Sure, absolutely. What a great cause to speak up for, huh? Did you ever think you'd live yeah. in a day when people in America, anybody in America, would protest in favor of terrorists? Never. Wow. 
Anything else that you've seen? Uh, you said the SAIA. What is what is that? They punctured some tires on a truck? It's just a truck. That's just a delivery company. Okay, that, that comes to some, deliver to Boeing. Some guy, yeah, just trying to do his job. Why do you think they're targeting Boeing? I don't know. Something about they think that, I don't know, we make arms or something, and then that's supporting well, Israel or something like that. Boeing does make some, some stuff for the Pentagon, but I understood that the facility in Portland made things like, what, landing gear and things like that? Commercial airplanes. Commercial airplanes. Is that Commercial some of the protests going on behind you? No. Okay. Well, I have to go now. Okay, I'll let you go, John. Thanks for having us. Go to Dan. Dan, uh, you're a naysayer as well. What's on your mind on First Amendment Friday? Well, um, you're talking about the the uh, documents, yeah. Um, at case, and should Trump and Biden be treated the same or or different? And I think, I think uh, where where you're going with that is is that Trump's being treated unfairly. Yes, and I think there's some significant differences. Okay. First of all, Trump made him kick his door in, and Biden how so? Didn't. He kept no, the no. documents. How, how how did he, the, the, they they he came asked. to his house. I, I, they I came. Hold on. They came to his thing. house when they knew he was out of town, and they had a an FBI SWAT team raid his house. Why did they need to do that? Well, th this is what I'm saying. I, I have friends in law enforcement. And, so do I. You know, when you are, are you are subpoenaed, you are asked repeatedly to give something back. If you turn it over and turn it in. You're going to be treated better. Dan, Dan, if somebody and, and showed up, hold on, hold, he, I'll give you a person. No, Dan, with, Dan, with personality. Dan, let, me, let me give you He's a personal example. Somebody shows up at your door and says, Dan, give this up. If you think you are not legally required to give it up, will you just hand it over? Yes. If a you are going to be, you know what, the new world order is going to love you. Because they're going to say Dan well, is one you know, of those compliant types that anytime somebody from the government tells Dan, jump, Dan says, how high should I jump, sir? Dan, that is sad that you would just say, well, if the government says you have to give it to us, then you just roll over and show your belly to the big fat government. You got the Lars Larson show. The Lars With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges but how do you explain it to customers well lars 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point they allow people to exchange out of one property into another keeping their equity intact for example let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one you can sell the property pay the tax or you can do an exchange deferring all the capital gains tax is it complicated it can be complicated but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Thank God it's Friday! 
today. Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. All men and women created by the go, you know the, you know the thing. Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. And I want to get some new information out to you about something that is absolutely crazy. We've been covering this situation for literally years. Now imagine if you were foolish enough to own an asset worth either hundreds of millions of dollars, perhaps even billions of dollars, and then you couldn't seem to earn a single red cent from that hundreds or billions of dollars worth of asset. Makes no sense, does it? And yet that is exactly the situation the state of Oregon is, is in, in owning the Elliott Forest. And they have managed to gum the works up so badly, they're supposed to be making at least tens of millions of dollars for public schools. But instead, they lose money, and they come up with crazy new ideas for how to mismanage the Elliott State Forest uh, in ways that are worse and worse every time we turn around. So, I want to get the latest from Dr. Bob Zyback, who's a forest scientist, president of Northwest Maps Company, author of The Great Fires, Indian Burning, and Catastrophic Forest Fire Patterns of the Oregon Coast Range, 1491 to 1951. Dr. Zyback, welcome back. Well, thank you, Lars. Good to be back. I, I got sent a letter the other day that was apparently sent out from Oregon State University, which had been offered the opportunity to treat the Elliott Forest as a research project. And they essentially said, thanks, but no thanks, I think is the way I read it. And I want you to tell my audience why this is so terribly significant to people in the state of Oregon, knowing that this is a, a state resource that they've decided to make no money from. And now even the folks they promised would end up studying it and turning it into a research project have said they're not interested. Well, I, I think uh, President Murphy made a, just a wonderful decision. Uh, she pointed out uh, point by point exactly you know, what's been going on with this uh, uh, proposal for the last four years and how it had changed dramatically from the beginning. The uh, people that first proposed that uh, it was pennies on the dollar, it should be uh, generating tens of millions of dollars for our schools. It should have 400 local jobs as it did for decades, uh, aiding the, the Coos and Douglas County uh, communities. Instead, a, a lawsuit shut it down. Uh, an effort was made to make, uh, continued to be made to uh, capitalize on it for a few people with uh, carbon credits. The uh, management plan is, was uh, put together after the key principals either died, uh, like our Secretary of State uh, uh, Richardson or Dean Manis with Oregon State, or they retired like Ed Ray uh, at, uh, as president of uh, Oregon State or, or even Governor Brown, who was uh, supporting it. So the, they set up a uh, a proposal to do a research for us uh, from a uh, land-grant university, which is supposed to be doing research that's beneficial to landowners and forest managers in the state of Oregon. And instead, they were turning it into a carbon credit uh, scam that uh, uh, benefited a few people and uh, a, a research project that was just uh, uh, goofy. Even uh, uh, Jerry Franklin, that I've butted heads with through the, the decades, uh, pointed out the weaknesses in the, the research plan, which was based basically on uh, federal uh, zoning and, and uh, passive management. So 
it was a real relief to uh, read the letter, how clearly it was written, point by point, uh, what uh, she politely called uh, compromises. Uh, I would call them manipulations, uh, got exposed. And uh, hopefully uh, we can return to an actively managed force for the benefit of Oregon schools and, and local communities as, as it had operated for decades before this took off. So, Dr. Zimbeck, I want you to tell my audience, if if they said, okay, it's not going to be a world-renowned research forest, as they said, you know, the plan was, and both you and I talked about the foolishness of that plan before, if they took the 82,000 acres of forest in the Elliott State Forest and actually managed it as a forest, said, we're going to cut trees, we're going to log, we're going to turn trees into lumber, we're going to create jobs, if we did all of that, and they could still do that today, what would it likely produce for Oregon schools? Well, uh, conservatively, uh, uh, $20 million a year uh, that uh, would go into the schools instead of taxpayers covering it, and 400 to 450 local jobs, all of which produce taxes rather than uh, take taxes, as, as they've been doing the last uh, uh, several years. So uh, it also reduced fire uh, uh, danger. The, the Elliott has a history of burning up. The, the Oregon State researchers had some somebody do, looking at tree rings from the Cascades and Sayus Law and saying they knew the fire history. And all they had to do is spend 30 minutes reading uh, Jerry Phillips' work or my work from the last 30 years, and they would have had a better handle on it. So we don't know how much those things are costing. But uh, there's an opportunity to do research on HCPs and other uh, methods that they're proposing to uh, uh, subject our state in private lands to and, and have caused uh, directly, uh, predictably, uh, massive wildfires on our federal lands. So uh, the direction they were taking was a hazard to the people that live to the west of the forest. It was a, a, a cost to Oregon taxpayers, a, a real detriment to the community, and, and the research that they were proposing uh, was uh, almost irrelevant to the management of a forest. It, would, it required hundreds of millions of dollars of subsidies just to uh, function uh, the way they were setting it up. And, and the president has to be really uh, complimented on, on seeing through all that, clearly writing it down and identifying why uh, Oregon State should not be participating. Okay, so other than you and me, uh, because all all I want to do is get what you know out to the people. I'm, I don't have any independent knowledge of, of forests, but I want to see them logged. I want to see them replanted. I want to see them actively managed, and I want to see them put to the use that the, the Elliott Forest was originally created for, and that was to generate money for the Common School Fund. Is anybody out there in, in a position of responsibility in the legislature and the government that's advocating for that? I, I hope so. There, uh, recently, the uh, uh, county commissioners in Tillamook County and Clapham County particularly came out strongly against the HCPs and the Oregon Department of Forestry, what they were doing, and that's what destroyed the Elliott. The Elliott was uh, the state's first state forest. It was set up specifically to benefit our schools. It operated wonderfully for decades under uh, uh, Jerry Phillips' uh, uh, management, and uh, now we have county commissioners that are, are finally uh, understanding what an HCP is and looking at the graphs uh, of how it destroyed the Elliott. When they started HCPs for spotted owls and marbled murelets in the 1990s, uh, the Elliott was, had hundreds of jobs and hundreds of millions of dollars have been sent to our schools. And since then, as you point out, for the last several years, uh, since an environmental lawsuit was filed, 
it has cost money, millions of dollars a year, and, and some of that expenditures uh, really should be looked at pretty closely because it's taxpayer money, and it appears to have been uh, put into a few hands that have manipulated this situation. And it sounds like if they don't do something with it to actively manage it, it's actually a, a at risk of burning down and going from a, a resource worth hundreds of millions of dollars to maybe being something just that's just a big pile of ash that's going to have to be even more intensely managed. That's Dr. Bob Zyback. He's a forest scientist, president of Northwest Maps, and author of The Great Fires, Indian Burning, and Catastrophic Forest Fire Patterns of the Oregon Coast Range. Coming up, I want to talk about America's gold mine and natural gas and the opposition to sending it anywhere else on the planet. I'll get to your phone calls and emails. It's First Amendment Friday on the radio. With, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Another strong take from President Biden on AI and the weather. Helping web tech, the web, web, the web telescope. My God, what is this? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. In a moment, I want to tell you about the gold mine that America is sitting on right now. It's called natural gas. Trillions of cubic feet of it, and we're exporting it to the rest of the world. In fact, the most recent report from the Congress says U.S. LNG, that's liquefied natural gas exports, have doubled in the past four years. And projects currently under development are set to almost double exports again. Now, you say, well, Lars, that's a giant success story. Yes. And what is it that Democrat members of Congress want to do? It's such a success story. Because it involves energy, and because it involves energy that we own that comes out of the ground, and bringing it out of the ground creates jobs, and exporting it creates jobs and income, the Democrats want to drive a stake through the heart of that. Let me get to the details of that in just a moment. First, it is First Amendment Friday. I want to get to your calls. And if you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. If you want to vote in our Twitter poll, you can find that every day with a brand new question at Lars Larson Show on Twitter or X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. Doesn't cost anything to vote, but because we 
we are a conservative show. Please vote only once. Only the Democrats believe in voting more than once. Um, if you'd rather send an email, talk at LarsLarson.com. Let me go first to James on this First Amendment Friday. Hey, James, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Thank you, uh, Lars. Appreciate your program. Thank you. Uh, I'm retired law enforcement at uh, 29 years, and I was listening to the story about the gentleman getting his uh, concealed weapons taken away, uh, permit. Yeah, James, James, just so we can bring everybody up to speed, I talked about this earlier. There's a man, Vince Ritchie, in California. Uh, there was a video of him from uh, two weeks ago on the 4th of November in which he's coming home from the gym. He's wearing sweats. He's digging his keys to his front door out of his pocket. And he's going down this kind of long hallway at the front of his house, you know, uh, outside of his house. And he's digging out his keys to go in his front door. And two or three, I think it's at, le it's at least two, there might have been three armed robbers attempt to assault him as he's about to open his front door. And inside of his house is his wife his little girl and the little girl's nanny. And he's, you know, concerned. He said later he was concerned that, that you know, his daughter might be killed or, you know, taken hostage or hurt in some way, that he was going to be the subject of an armed robbery. He lives in a nice house, $2 million house near Los Angeles. He's an entrepreneur and makes, makes some good money. So he pulls the gun that he carries legally with a concealed carry permit and shoots at the bad guys. And they shoot back at him, but he manages to drive them off. The police respond. This is two weeks ago, and uh, they, you know, do whatever they do. He's critical of the police, says they're not doing their jobs the right way, and that they didn't gather up all the shell casings, which you'd think would be, you know, cop school or cop, you know, police academy 101. And, and for that, uh, on Thursday of this week, the police call him up and say, we're taking away your concealed carry permit, at least temporarily, maybe permanently. And I, I was outraged by that. So a man who suffered a, an attempted armed home invasion robbery is then told, we're taking away your right to carry a gun. The gun, like the gun he was carrying the night he was assaulted. So just so I bring everybody else up to speed on this, what's your take on that as a retired cop? Well, number one, and I disagree with one of your callers earlier who said you're not supposed to yell at the police. Well, none of us like to be yelled at, right? Not, not right. on your talk show. But... A good cop, you get yelled at over the years, believe me. Uh, you don't always go to a call that everybody's happy and it's a lucky, lucky day, right? They're upset, right. they're emotional, they yell. And just like you on the, your show, you learn to de-escalate people's emotions verbally, you know. So cops do get yelled at and uh, because of the, the emotion that the people are involved in. Number two, you're right, that was a bad crime scene. Now, in, in my days, a detective would come out, you'd circle the, 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 where the shell's out, take them into custody, or take the, the shells in for evidence. And um, So there's chain of evidence, <laughs> right? So you can say, exactly. the, the detective can say, I gathered these shells at the scene the night of the attempted home invasion. Now, there could be a shell there from three years ago, but most of the shells you'd expect to find at a crime scene are from that night's crime. And when later on, if you bring the guy to trial, you can say, well, uh, Your Honor, or to the jury, uh, we found these shell casings. The ejector marks match the gun we we caught the su the accused with, and we're, we're tying him to this incident. That's how you do it, right? Exactly. And then the other thing, uh, I don't know if they got caught that night or not, but what if two nights later they shoot and kill somebody? Well, you're right. They can match the shell casings to the new crime and go on from there. So in our day, we would take photographs, we'd take the shells, we'd do everything. And the other thing is, 
the guy had to be emotional, right? He just got almost robbed and killed. So he's going to be high strung, correct? Yep. So, you know, you've got to calm him down and you've got to listen to him. Taking his concealed weapons from it, I agree, disagree. However, the only one that really has control over that would be the sheriff, the head sheriff, or the chief of police. So I think uh, that's where uh, he should go or whoever's helping him. I think an author was going to help him. They need to go to the head, the head honcho, and say what's going on here, you know. But I just wanted to say, I, I totally disagree with the guy that called earlier. You're not supposed to yell at cops. Well, no, you're not. Well, but you know what? I, I, you, you get know, emotional, I, you get upset. People did, aren't always down to earth when you talk to them. James, did you ever take ride along guests along with you when you were an officer? Oh, often. Often, I took, I, you know, I, I'm married now, so my wife is less than enthusiastic. I say, hey, I'm going to take off tonight at 10 o'clock, and I won't be back till 3 in the morning because I'm going on a ride-along because I find them intensely interesting. And you get a real perspective for what real, you know, day-to-day -day police work was. Uh, but I, I saw cops get yelled at, and, and cops doing their jobs are, you know, really good at getting yelled at and then trying, like you said, de-escalate the person, bring them back down to earth. But I have a feeling his criticism of them, I don't know this for a fact, but if he criticized them saying they didn't even get all the shell casings from the scene, that's one, a legitimate criticism, and two, it would have come the next day when he comes out in his front yard. He didn't have much of a yard. It was mostly, you know, hardscape. But and says, why right. are these shell casings still here? If the police were here last night, like you said, you circle them, you put the little, you know, yellow uh, plastic uh, piece next to each one with a number so you can take say take a photograph right take a yeah. photograph so you can show the jury here's where we found the shell casing scattered all over you know because he ended up chasing them out away from his house they came back toward him and you can put the bad guys and then you can sort out which which came from his gun which came from the bad guys guns and you can paint a picture for the jury of what happened not that there isn't video of it already but i just get the feeling that when they called him up and said, you're losing your permit for now, we're temporarily suspending it, they're putting that guy's life at risk, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, uh, if these bad guys know who he is and obviously do and where he lives, they might be coming back, right? I mean, they might have create, they might have killed somebody two weeks ago, and these shell casings could link to past crimes. So there's, it's very important. And you're right. I'd be hiding in my house with a, you know, a, a shotgun and everything else, and and uh, well, I mean, people are mean, and there's some bad bad actors in L.A. I mean, they're everywhere. Well, and, and can you imagine, James, a guy who just got shot at by a citizen that he was planning to get rich from or get some money from, and then the the citizen right. turns around and shoots at him? I can imagine bad guys who are not entirely rational saying, "You know what? I'm going to get that guy." And now the police have disarmed him. So the police have now helped the bad guy make this victim perhaps a future victim. You've got the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Upcoming American elections promise some provocative politics, but be forewarned, the green agenda may lead to some extreme rhetoric. I get pupper! So prepare yourself by listening to The Lars Larson Show.
Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on First Amendment Friday. Always glad to take your phone calls and your emails. And you know, on a daily basis, we promise honestly provocative talk radio. That is, I promise I'll be honest with you. If I find out something I said yesterday was wrong, I'll be glad to correct it today. And of course, I try to be provocative. I want to provoke you to think. So think about this. Should Americans pay higher taxes than people in communist China? Now, if you said, Lawrence, that's a crazy question, that couldn't possibly be the case. Well, let's put the question to our friend Grover Norquist, who's president of Americans for Tax Reform. Grover, welcome back. Lawrence, good to be with you. Are we paying or are some entities in America paying higher tax rates in good old capitalist America than they do in Chinese communist in the on the Chinese communist mainland? Well, some do, but the challenge is that Biden wants to have all of them do so. Uh, right now, we have a 21% uh, top corporate rate, and uh, China's at 25. This is what the Republicans did. President Trump signed the bill, uh, which took our top rate from 35, highest in the world, stupider than France, higher by 10 points than communist China. We took it, uh, it was at 35, it was brought down to 21. That was good. Now, mind you, it's about 4% local, state uh, corporate income taxes. So 21 is really 25. So we're kind of right where communist China is right now. 21% uh, federal plus 4 state, uh, state and local. That said, uh, President Biden has in the budget he wants to put forward a 28% federal rate plus the 4% to take it to 32 back awfully close to the 35 we used to be, and higher than communist China. We will chase away capital that, could go, that would go to communist China at the, in terms of competing on taxes. And if you can't compete by having lower taxes, you have to compete by having lower wages. Why would Biden want to do that to America? No, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I just want people to think about this. I mean, I don't know very many people, Grover, who don't dream at some point, I want to start my own business and be, be my own boss. It's kind of thankless because I know a lot of business owners who say, look, I'm the guy who has to worry 12 hours a day about payroll and signing the front of paychecks and all that, but I'm willing to do it. And not everybody who starts a business is successful. And not everybody who starts a business becomes wealthy. But there are a lot of people who are much happier being their, you know, uh, running their own business and making their own decisions instead of working for someone else. But imagine going out, doing the hard work, getting the w one or two out of ten startup companies that becomes a success, and then having Uncle Sugar walk in and say, hey, out of the dollars you make, one dollar out of three goes to us, either state or federal. That's the reality of what Joe Biden wants, right? Yes. And, Lars, you add that, add to that the now $3 trillion in regulatory burdens uh, on the United States. So hidden inside what you pay people, hidden inside uh, how you build a factory, um, how you order goods and services are three. It, the last time I saw the study on this, it was two trillion. <laughs> and I no longer, wow. that, you know, after having memorized two trillion, uh, I was talking to the folks from the National Association of Manufacturers and I quoted two trillion. They say, oh, Grover, <laughs> wouldn't we love two trillion? <laughs> it's now three. Um, so we have higher regulatory costs 
than Communist China and many other countries. Communist China just happens to be a not terribly friendly competitor, as opposed to being a competitor. In addition to being a competitor, it's not terribly friendly. Uh, $3 trillion in regulatory burden, plus if Biden gets his way, a significantly higher corporate tax right off the top, which just means when you walk in the door and you say to somebody in Germany, there's an American company, a Chinese company, they want to compete for your business. If you look at the taxes, we start yards behind the Chinese company because, again, if Biden gets his way, we will have a higher corporate income tax than communist China. Okay, just to put it in perspective, I'm, I'm talking to Grover Norquist from Americans for Tax Reform. He's the president of the group. Uh, what's our current GDP, about 22 or 23 trillion a year? Sounds about right, yeah. Okay, so, so you're talking, regulatory costs alone are $1.07. And, and now t taxes, if Joe Biden gets his way, is $1.03. And those those aren't uh, those don't overlap. They they add together. So the government walks in and says, out of all you know, if you made a, a thousand or you know three thousand dollars this year, we get a thousand of it. Oh, and by the way, we want one dollar out of every seven uh, in regulatory costs. For the most part, you can't you can't avoid and you can't get away from. Yes, and another way of looking at it, uh, there's Tax Freedom Day. People work three to four months out of the year on average to pay federal, state, local taxes. Then you add to that the regulatory burden, and in previous years that's taken you past July. So you work past July 4th, to pick a date at random, um, paying the cost of government, regulatory, and tax. That's half, half of the uh, productive effort in the United States. Now, Grover, to get to this number where he wants to get to, 28% and then 4% for state and local, so that takes us to 32, not quite $1 and 3. He's got to have the Congress sign off on that, right? Is, is yes, he going to get yes, the, yes. is he going to get the Congress no. to sign off on that? Well, the present Congress, no. We have enough Republicans in the House and the Senate to, who've taken the pledge who would vote no to a tax increase in the House to, to stop it completely, in the Senate to filibuster it and not allow it to come to a vote. So we can stop it today. Should uh, we have an election and Biden gets reelected and he picks up five, six seats in the House, becomes Democratic House, the Democrats hold their majority even by maybe only one vote, then in reconciliation where you can cut tax cut or raise taxes with 50 votes in the senate you could do exactly what biden wants to do they are four congressmen and one senator and one president away from being able to do just that raise the corporate income tax and make us not com less competitive now, Grover, if the Republican Party actually operated in an efficient manner and, and actually did the right thing, they'd be running messaging like this uh, even this year and certainly next year to tell Americans this is the choice you're up against. You have the choice. Do you want to go to higher tax rates than communist China and tax rates that are punitive and probably will simply drive business and jobs away? Are you going to get the Republicans to actually do what they need to do to communicate this? Well, we need to. We we could have won the election in 2020 on this issue if we kept pointing out to people how radically 
uh, Biden wanted to raise taxes and spending. And, it, you know, it's one thing, it, every time you ask people what's the most important issue, inflation, job creation, uh, taxation, growth, top the chart, okay? It's not abortion and, and global warming, okay? It's all of these economic issues, and sometimes, because our candidates find them more fun to talk about or something, and certainly the left wants to avoid talking about their tax policies, their regulatory policies, their spending policies, their inflation policies. We need to insist that we debate every single day. We fight on that line, on those issues. doesn't mean you don't mention other issues, but never let them off the map. That's a good point. That's Gerber Norquist, the president of Americans for Tax Reform. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Constantine Kissin on Hamas. For years now, many of us have been warning that the barbarians are at the gates. We were wrong. They're inside. There are positives as well. I mean, say what you want about Hamas supporters. At least they know what a woman is. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. It's great to be with you. And I want to get to some of your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Let's go to Ed in Vancouver. Hey, Ed, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Uh, thank you. Uh, due to her uh, stance at the U.N., I was favoring uh, Governor Haley for uh, alternative if these uh, Marxists and socialists were uh, successful in subverting Trump's uh, campaign. But then I heard that she was involved in this uh, World Economic Forum, and I kind of kind of set me a set me askew a little bit and i was wondering if if you know if there's any uh public uh, record of her position on that or if she just kind of you teasing know, I, them people I, or anything Ed, i have like the same that. concerns about wef that you do i think klaus schwab is is evil like almost movie you know uh, scary movie evil uh because of what he and wef plan to do you know the slogan that you're going to own nothing and you'll like it um, you know, and the idea that WEF would somehow become the government of the entire planet uh, and that America would simply follow the orders from WEF and WHO and all that. 
I'd be interested to talk to Governor Haley, and the next time I get a chance to interview her during this election year, she's apparently come up in some of the poll numbers, but not anywhere near close enough to be able to get the nomination. I don't think she's going to get the nomination. But it'd be interesting to challenge her and say that you have been associated with WEF, uh, you've, you've, you know, World Economic Forum, and we'd like to know what your point of view is on it. Uh, and, and, and whether or not you think it's a legitimate organization. And apparently up to this point, she's been uh, dodging questions from both voters and reporters about her participation in the World Economic Forum. I mean, if she has an explanation, says, yes, I go to their events, but not because I agree with them. Well, Ed, I, you know, look, I, I've been at places that I didn't agree with. I mean, I, I've been in prison. Not as a guest, but as a as a reporter. So if somebody said, have you ever been in prison? Yeah. Were you there because you committed a crime? No, I was there to talk to criminals. It's the best place to find criminals to interview. Um, well, I, I, was, I was a guest when I went there. So Yeah, you were um, a guest. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but you've mended your ways since, haven't you? I hope so, yeah. I believe yeah. so. But she was, uh, she was there as a young global leader. She was invited... Uh, to participate in the World Economic Forum. She was invited in 2007 to one of their conferences in China. I'd be interested to hear what her her point of view is. And and if she's smart and she wants conservatives to vote for her, she will she will come out and explain that uh, she she had taken part in things, but she doesn't believe the WEF has a role in in being a world government for the rest of uh, for the rest of uh, the country. Let's go to uh, Seattle and talk to Kay. Hey, Kay, thanks for listening on KVI and the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, um, I'm, it is um, First Amendment Friday, so yep. I'm thinking of two candidates who are running who have had been heavily, heavily censored. One was a Democrat, now he's an independent, and the other one is Trump. What do you think of those two as running mates? You mean Trump and RFK? Yes. Is it no. like At, absolutely, sir? absolutely not? And I can tell you why. I think what's happened I is yes. well, RFK has taken a number of positions that are popular among conservatives. In particular, his position on the jab, on the mRNA so-called mm -hmm. vaccine that doesn't actually do much of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't keep you from getting COVID or anything else. The problem is, mm -hmm. if you take a look at his record, and he, he hasn't, I mean, Ronald Reagan was always plain that he used to be a Democrat, and then he became a Republican, and he kept, and he has his, and he had his conservative points of view. But I mean, RFK has done a, a lot, taken a lot of positions that he has not backed off on, that are anti-everything conservatives believe in. Now, if you want a few examples, he has called himself a huge admirer of the commie from Vermont, Bernie Sanders. He has praised or Louis Farrakhan, who's a rabid anti-Semite, as a truly great partner. He calls the NRA a terrorist group. He has repeatedly called for a ban on fossil fuel extraction. So he doesn't want us to drill for oil or natural gas. He has praised AOC, that dimwit from New York. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as good and important, yes, she's yes. a knucklehead. He wants to uh, he wants to impose a tax on carbon emissions. I mean, there's just he's a fan of the Paris Climate Accord. He supports abortion on demand until birth without limits. So, uh -huh. why why would you say well if he but but if we like one of his positions, we can forget about the rest of that? Okay, why would I say I I would? I'm a conservative too. I consider myself trained very conservatively, and 
feel Would you vote for RFK? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Why? Um, because you know where he stands. And it's the same reason that of the two, Biden or Bernie Sanders, I find Bernie Sanders so much more appealing because I feel like he is what he says he is. Yeah, and yeah I but, but, with that. but hold on a second. I've talked to serial like killers who admit that they are who they say they are. I wouldn't vote for them for dog catcher. Why would you vote for somebody uh, who believes no, that I'm we ought to put... This is what, you know, let's say, this is what you gave us. You know, so do you have a... It's a lesser of between a rock and a hard spot. You know, uh, Biden or Bernie Sanders. Well, I'll take Bernie Sanders over Biden any Yeah, day. except that Bernie you know, isn't running, Trump. thank God. He got cheated by the Democrat parties and a Democrat Party, and he took the payoff. And clearly, yes. he's a happy socialist or communist because yes. he's a communist who has a do-nothing right. job for a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and owns three houses. I mean, that. That is a happy socialist. Kay, thanks for the call from Seattle. You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. It's Friday, Friday. Friday Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Thank God it's Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. All men and women created by the go, you know the, you know the thing. Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday, my favorite day of the week, and I'm glad to take your phone calls and emails. I also want you to vote in our Twitter poll. You'll find the daily question at Lars Larson Show. We try to make it as fresh as possible. So, given the news that President Joe Biden and the rest of the Biden crime family will apparently face no criminal charges whatsoever for Joe Biden's roughly 50 years of uh possessing classified documents. Joe Biden himself has admitted on camera, on video, that he has been keeping classified documents in ways that he was never allowed to do as a U.S. Senator. He will face no charges, according to the special investigator, special counsel, who's been investigating for the last year. At the same time, President Trump is facing criminal charges for the possession of classified documents that, as president, he was allowed to declassify and retain some if he chose to do it. So, I framed the question this way. I don't want it to be misunderstood. Should Biden and Trump face the same charges for illegal handling of classified docs? Now, in that case, the same only means the same. It means should both of them face criminal charges? 
and then a trial can determine if they're guilty, should neither of them face criminal charges. I would argue that if the special counsel has decided that Joe Biden could hang on to documents that some of them he never had permission to have possession of them at all, that he should face charges. Should Trump face charges? Well, if he did something illegal, but to have two presidents, a current president, a former president, one who faces criminal charges, the other who faces no charges, makes no sense to me. Today's Twitter poll is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, let me go to Mark Harmsworth, who's our friend at the Washington Policy Center. Mark, welcome back to the program. How are you? Good, thanks, Lars. Thanks for having me on the show. We've talked about this issue before, and I could see the good side and the bad side of whether or not two of the major grocery chains in America, Kroger and Albertsons, should be able to merge. Is this something that should be drawing the attention of the federal government and, and perhaps be blocked by the government? Or is this something that, that has the potential to be actually very good for consumers? Well, there's definitely a lot to the deal because these two companies, Albertsons and Kroger, and if if you remember just a few years ago, Albertsons did a fairly large purchase with Safeway. Um, I mean, they're large grocers, but the landscape is changing a lot and has changed a lot, particularly since COVID. We've now got a lot of uh, online shopping going on. In fact, the market for the traditional brick and mortar uh, grocery stores has declined by about 40% over the last 30, 40% over the last few years um, because of the competition from online, from like folks like Amazon and Walmart and, and what have you. And hey, I'm all for the free market. But yeah, I mean, this, these things are changing. So what we're starting to see now is uh, companies like Kroger and Albertsons talk to each other and say, hey, we've got to be able to compete in this much more competitive market. We've got uh, big box stores like Costco and Walmart and Sam's Club who are competing in our grocery space. They weren't doing so much previously, but now they are. And yeah. you're, you're starting to see them try to figure out how to make this work. So. It is a difficult situation as far as you've got two very large companies, which in a vacuum, that would be a monopoly. So you would want the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, to take a look at it. But on the other hand, they're also not the biggest dog on the block anymore. So, you know, there's a little bit going on here. And so they've decided, obviously, to merge and, and, and do some things to try and mitigate some of those concerns from the FTC and, and consumer prices and, and their employees as well. What? And in fact, couldn't it end up working? I mean, I know people are going to say, Lars, you're just pro-business. Well, I'm pro-business, but, but I want business done under the rules. But when I look at Walmart, I know the left hates Walmart. They hate Walmart because they're, you know, they, they don't really like labor unions and things like that. But when I look at their overall profit margins and you say, well, I don't believe the company. Well, <laughs> they're required to do disclosures and disclosures are pretty transparent. They make an overall uh, margin of about 3%. So you go down and buy $1,000 worth of stuff at Walmart, whether it's food or clothing or anything else, and the company makes 30 bucks. That doesn't seem unfair to me, and they're only able to do that to a large extent because they are so big, aren't they? Yeah, and that's they get the economies of scale because they're able to buy in bulk and they're able to you know keep those those margins thinner, uh, especially if they whitelist or they brand their own products. Uh, you see all of the the large companies do this. They're able to you know try to squeeze that profit margin a little bit, but there's not a lot in it. And a lot of folks really don't understand. I think that these stores aren't making mega bucks on on 
all, all their products are making a smaller margin. And so when you're in a very competitive place, if you're a small company, it's very difficult to compete against some of these companies. And so that's what Kroger and Albertsons are going to do. They're going to get together next year. They're going to merge, assuming it gets approved by the FTC. They, they still will only represent a very small percentage of the market. And Walmart right now is 22%. Even after the merger, they'll only be 14%. And it'll give them some advantage in, in trying to compete with some of these other stores. And they're being good citizens, too, because they're actually selling 413 of their stores to a competitor prior to the merger so that they can uh, sort of head off any concerns from the Federal Trade Commission that they become too large. And so they're effectively creating more competition in the market, which I think will drive prices down. And they've also promised to protect their employees as part of this merger as well. I guess the thing I worry about, Mark, is where the government says we're from the government and we're here to help you. And, and these days, at least under this government, they seem to do things to screw people up. An example of that in this same area is, you know, you got four major airlines in America and then you got a bunch of, you know, that are down at five, six, seven and eight. And there were two of them. I think it was JetBlue and Spirit that wanted to merge. And you say, well, if they merge because they're, they're pipsqueaks by comparison to, you know, Delta and American and all that, they'll provide more competition for the big guys. And that generally leads to better prices and better service for customers. And what does the Biden administration do? They come in and say, we're going to block that merger. You know, like you're going to block merger of a couple of the pipsqueaks uh, so the big guys can just go on and charge what they want. I mean, it's almost like the government has taken the antitrust laws and use it in a way to produce the opposite result that antitrust laws were supposed to produce. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not familiar with that deal specifically, the intricacies of it, but um, when we look at like what they're doing here with Albertsons and Kroger, I hope they don't block it because I don't think this is a deal that um, warrants that. They're not the last big um, storefront, and there's only going to be two left after this or a monopoly, which is really what this anti-competitive stuff is about, it, it, where they're leveraging things. They're competing in a very competitive marketplace, and, uh, you know, they're trying to do everything they can uh, to be competitive. And it's a free market, and they can merge and, and, and do uh, what it is they need to do to, to stay competitive in the market and protect their employees. In fact, uh, Kroger and Albertsons have a, a large contingent of uh, unionized employees. So um, for and, and the unions have been opposing this merger, and it's odd because you've got Amazon and Walmart that do not. So it would seem like the unions would want this merger to go through. Well, you would seem so, but these days nothing logical ever turns out that way. That's Mark Harmsworth. Coming up in another, in a moment, I want to talk about this issue that we've asked about in our Twitter poll, and that is you've got two presidents, one who illegally took classified docs. He's not charged, but the other one is. We'll get to your phone calls and emails. With, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. 
So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Ronald Reagan knew better, do you? All of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they had the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails. I want to present a situation to you that we first became aware of yesterday. And what it has to do with, there is a special counsel who is assigned to investigate President Joe Biden and the Biden crime family, but primarily Joe Biden. And why? Because we found out last year that Joe Biden had been collecting classified documents, he admits, for the better part of half a century. In fact, there's one interview in particular in which Joe Biden says he's had classified documents that he brought to his home or to his office as far back as 1974. So in a couple of months, it will be 50 years that this guy had retained classified documents. Now, as president of the United States, Joe Biden today could take any classified document and declassify it. That is one of the powers that we give to a sitting U.S. president. But he's only been president now for just less than three years. What about his vice president? Would he occasionally be given classified documents that he had to look at or be aware of? Yes, he could have been given classified documents by President Obama because President Obama had that power. How about as a U.S. senator? He had absolutely no authority to declassify classified documents. He certainly did not have the authority to take any of those documents home. And he certainly didn't have the authority, the legal authority, to hang on to those documents for as long as 40 years. He just didn't have the power to do that. So. He admits he's had classified documents. And what do we end up hearing yesterday? There's a guy by the name of Robert Herr. Robert Herr is described as a special counsel. That means he's a lawyer. And uh, what will happen is the Department of Justice would say, we need to have something investigated, so we're going to get this guy, Robert Herr, and he will do the investigation. Now, I want to tell you something. The fact that Robert Herr was picked as the guy to investigate Joe Biden should trouble you immensely. Because, number one, when you have a special counsel, the Congress passed a law that says if the DOJ is going to appoint a special counsel, meaning they're going to reach out to a lawyer who knows something about the, the how to investigate this, and they are not allowed to employ somebody who actually works for the federal government right now. And why not? Because you're going to do an investigation of the current sitting president of the United States. And if you hire somebody who already works for one of the agencies that Joe Biden controls, which include the DOJ, that there's an obvious, you know, bias. There's an obvious dog in the fight. You know, there's a conflict of interest there. So what do they do? They pick Robert Herr to be the investigator. Now, 
What else has Herr been involved in investigating? He was involved in the FBI's communications with Russia collusion hoax guy, Christopher Steele. Remember the secret agent uh, who used to work for British intelligence? The guy who went to work as a freelancer and he created false documents like the Steele dossier so that Hillary Clinton could make up a whole hoax about how Donald Trump was secretly communicating with Vladimir Putin and that Donald Trump had done crazy things with prostitutes on a bed in a Moscow hotel room. I mean, this kind of crazy stuff. So. Her was involved in the FBI when they got involved in looking at the Russia collusion hoaxer, Christopher Steele, and is member of a DOJ team that tried to undercut a congressional expose of the intelligence community's failures that led to the collusion hoax. So you're picking a guy who's already got a dog in the fight, and you're saying this is the guy who's going to check out Joe Biden. Now, what's happened since? Late yesterday afternoon, we got word that Robert Hur, of course, uh, the news has leaked that Robert Hur plans to recommend no criminal indictments whatsoever for Joe Biden's possession, illegal possession, I might mention, uh, but no criminal indictments at all for Joe Biden's possession of classified documents going back the better part of 50 years. Now, why would that happen? And why is that important? Maybe Joe Biden didn't break the law. I think he broke the law. I think as a U.S. senator, he took classified documents, he brought them home. Well, why is that significant to you and me? Well, I'll tell you why. Joe Biden ended up storing some of those documents in cardboard boxes at his home in Delaware. They were clearly brought there to that home after he left the vice presidency. And if he says, well, I don't know, I just told him to move all these boxes. Do you know who also lived in that home? Well, that would be Hunter Biden, you know, the smartest guy that Joe knows, the guy who was sitting on a board of directors in Ukraine for a natural gas company who was getting paid an extraordinary $1 million a year for something he had absolutely no expertise in. And strangely enough, while he was sitting on the board of directors, he wrote up some memos that really bore a striking resemblance to secret classified documents that Joe Biden got as vice president of the United States. And then Hunter Biden managed to foist this information off on the people who are paying him a million dollars a year to show how much he knew about the Ukraine situation. So you've got the fix in Hunter Biden commits crimes. He gets nothing. Or they even proposed in June of this year that Hunter Biden be forgiven of tax crimes, that he be forgiven for illegally buying a gun, even though he was using illegal drugs at the time, crack cocaine and other things. In other words, Hunter Biden never gets charged. Now, he is now facing because the judge in the case said, I'm not giving a sweetheart deal to Hunter Biden. But now you've got the DOJ, Joe Biden's DOJ, that's announcing we're not going to seek any kind of criminal prosecution for classified documents. Okay, why is that so important? Well, in America, all of us, whether we're talk show hosts or uh, truck drivers or anything else, we're all supposed to get equal treatment under the law. What is simultaneously happening while the Biden DOJ is deciding to refer no criminal charges for Joe Biden's apparent illegal possession of classified documents? At the same time, there is a criminal prosecution going on of Donald J. Trump. <laughs> and what's he accused of? He is accused of illegal possession of classified documents. Oh, 
And, and what else is the difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Well, Donald Trump has never hold, held political office before he was president. He had the authority to declassify any document he wanted to declassify. He had the authority to take them home. He had the authority to store them. He had to store them safely and securely. Did he do that? Well, they were stored in a home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, under lock and key and under the protection of the Secret Service. Where were Joe Biden's classified documents that he didn't have a right to take home as a U.S. senator or as vice president? They were stored in a cardboard box in his garage next to his Corvette. Now, you think that if Donald Trump is going to face criminal charges, and I know that some of you probably believe he should. I don't. I think Donald Trump did not illegally possess the documents. He either declassified them and brought them home and held on to them, and his lawyers were in regular touch with the National Archives. And, of course, they had a difference of opinion with the archives about whether or not he had to return the documents. That has to be worked out in court whether he was required to return them or was not. But what we know for a fact is that Senator Joe Biden had no right to retain classified documents. Vice President Joe Biden had no right to retain classified documents. He admits that he did, and yet because he's got a D in front of his name, he faces no criminal charges at all. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Go to the head of the line at the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Uh, I know we talk about education a lot on this program, just in the in the interest of full disclosure. I went to public schools. My wife, Tina, went to public schools. I'm not a big fan of public schools today. I think that they they largely fail the students who are in them. I think they could use a dose of, of uh, competition, and I think the competition is there if they choose to learn some lessons from it, and if they can get those lessons past the ironclad unions who seem to run America's public schools. So... I want to welcome to the program Lance Izumi. He's a good friend of the show, education policy expert at the Pacific Research Institute, and the author most recently of The Great Parents' Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Lance, welcome back. Well, thanks very much, Lars. It's always a real pleasure to be on the show with you. Well, it's very generous of you. Thank you for that. I'll try to live up to those high words of praise. But... Tell me this. Do you think there's something that government-run public schools might learn if they choose to from America's growing charter schools out there? Oh, absolutely, Lars. I think that when you look at uh, the performance of charter schools compared to uh, regular public schools, I mean, it's uh, the, the gap is widening. And one of the things that I think is really important, especially given the fact that many governments uh, at the state and local levels are experiencing uh, downturns in their revenues, less funding available, that uh, charter schools have always dealt with having less funding, but yet they've been able to have real bang for their buck. And so, um, you know, for example, there was a recent study that came out from the University of Arkansas that looked at the cost effectiveness and the return on investment of 
charter schools compared to regular public schools. And what they found was that uh, charter schools were 40% more cost-effective in producing higher test scores than regular public schools. And when you look at return on investment for uh, kids who are, you know, when they get out of school and look at their future earnings, it turns out that uh, charter school students uh, have a 60% higher return on investment for every dollar that was spent on their education than regular public schools. So, you know, it, it turns out that it's not only better for the students, it's really better for our society to have this competition. Now, Lance, it's not going to surprise you that I'm the kind of guy who can always hear the objection coming, even from the people who haven't called the show yet. They're going to say, and there's a piece of conventional wisdom out there that says, well, the charter schools get to pick and choose, and they only pick the cream of the crop. They cream it off, and they don't have to deal with the kids with learning problems. They don't have to deal with uh, handicapped kids. They, they just get to cream off the best students, and that's why they look better. Can, can you please help me bust that one up? Because I don't think it's true at all. And, in fact, I, as I recall, some of the earliest charter schools, maybe even as much as three decades ago, were formed by parents of special needs kids who said, Public schools are spending all this money. Give it to us, and we can educate our disabled kids better than what you're doing right now. So can we bust this up? Charter schools are public schools, and they are open to all, are they not? Absolutely right, Lars. I think you really hit upon one of the biggest myths that uh, flick uh, charter schools and, you know, pushed by the unions and other anti-charter school forces. But if you look at who attends charter schools, I mean, in this study I meant, just mentioned, for example, out the University of Arkansas, which showed that charter schools were more cost-effective and had higher return on investment. If you look at the uh, students who uh, they studied in the charter schools in across uh, nine cities across America and, and compared to uh, the regular public school students in those same cities, what you found is that the population, the student population at the charter schools was as challenging or even more challenging than uh, the uh, populations at the regular public schools. So, for example, you often had um, more uh, students who came from low-income family backgrounds at charter schools than you did uh, regular public schools. And with, with regard to that issue of special needs, I think that's really an important point that you bring up, Lars, and, uh, and you're absolutely right. One of the things that charter schools can do is they can actually specialize in meeting those uh, needs of kids with Abilities. So, for example, I wrote a book uh, just a few years ago called Choosing Diversity, which looked at different charter school models around the country that were successful. And one of the things I did was to look at uh, schools that have specifically focused on meeting the needs of special uh, needs kids uh, in the charter uh, sector. And so, for example, there is a uh, autism charter school in New York City started by parents in New York City who couldn't find the type of instruction and learning and educational tools in the regular public schools that would address the needs of their autistic children. And so, therefore, they were able to start their own schools specifically for uh, kids who have autism and therefore you know we're able to uh, have been able to really bring these kids up to a level where you know people are just shocked at all the great things that they can do and it's because uh, they ha these parents had the freedom to start this charter school addressing those needs and I think what you see across the country is exactly that people starting these schools because there are needs that are not being met uh, in the regular public school system. So tell me this, how do we bust through and get the public schools, meaning the government-operated traditional K-12 schools, to actually pay attention to these things, number one, and number two, to say, 
if they're doing it that way over there, we should do it that way here so that we can produce similar results to what the charter schools are doing. And are the unions just a 100 percent block against actually getting to those kind of improvements? Yeah, actually, unfortunately, Lars, you're right. The unions have been like the biggest impediment uh, to uh, expanding charter schools for all kids and make the, that option available for kids and parents. Uh, you know, we, we should allow uh, competition. We should allow all kinds of alternatives and options for kids and their parents to choose from because one size does not fit all. And I think that's one of the things that we learned from COVID uh, because the regular public schools, which in often case are oftentimes shut down and uh, uh, engage in ineffective Zoom learning, uh, and uh, a lot of charter schools did not shut down. And they continued even through the pandemic for in, with in-person learning. And that's the kind of alternative and options that people should have. Not everybody has to take them, but they should have the choice to be able to take it advantage of those uh, options if that's what they feel is going to benefit their children. And I think that uh, really because of the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the, the pandemic, the eyes of parents were really opened up. And so I think that's why you're seeing a, a lot more support for charter schools and all kinds of different school choice options, from homeschooling to education savings accounts. I think that's also then why you're seeing uh, a lot more uh, legislation passed and signed into law in states that are expanding uh, school choice, you know, anywhere from Utah to West Virginia uh, to Florida and across the country. And I think that's going to continue uh, because people uh, now realize that uh, they can have uh, better education for the kid as long as they're given the option to choose. I'm talking to Lance Izumi. He's with the Pacific Research Institute. I'm just frustrated because I wish the unions would take a look at this in the same way that you had the creative disruption of Lyft and Uber coming in to offer ride share instead of traditional cab companies. And some of the cab companies said, oh, no, no, we want everything to be the way it's always been, where we basically owned the personal transportation market. You know, not buses, but individual. Somebody calls and says, I need a cab. And we've got these new competitors. And rather than learn from them and say, maybe we should do things more like that, they said, no, let's see if we can get you know, the powers that be, the elected officials, to just preserve our antiquated system, even though it's demonstrably not as good. Uh, and, and in many cases, they blocked it for a long time. But eventually, it kind of it's like water rolling over the top of a dam. They're going to eventually lose that fight. Lance, I hope that the public schools start listening. I hope the public school boards start challenging their unions and say, if you're not going to do it this way, and this way works better at the charter schools than the way we're doing it now, then you're going to find yourselves, well, you're going to be the buggy whip makers after, uh, after Henry Ford comes out with the Model A or the Model T. You're going to find yourselves out of a job. That's Lance Izumi from Pacific Research. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-439-5277. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. We've all heard, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. 
With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Exercising the right to free speech every day. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Our Twitter poll today, and it is a complicated one. Should Joe Biden and Donald Trump face the same charges for illegal handling of classified docs? Well, Donald Trump has been charged criminally, as you likely know. And yesterday we found out about the special counsel saying it is unlikely at all that any criminal charges will be brought against Joe Biden, even though I think all other things being equal, Donald Trump had far more ability to have those classified documents than former senator and former vice president Joe Biden. So should they say, face the same charges? Yeah. Either charge them both criminally and, and let the chips fall where they may in court or charge neither of them criminally, except under the Biden Justice Department, you ain't going to get justice. To your calls now, let's go to Jay. Hey, Jay, thanks for calling from Vancouver and thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, thank you. Your Twitter poll is on my mind. It just uh, tweaked my brain, and it kind of reminds me of the Trump versus Biden on the uh, classified documents thing. Reminds me of uh, the polling for Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame ballots, where Roger Clemens has denied doing steroids, and Andy Pettit said, yeah, I did steroids, and I'm sorry for doing steroids. And they're both New York Yankees, and they're both really good. And they're both fantastic pitchers, but Andy Pettit is viewed much more favorably than Roger Clemens is. Because he just came out and admitted he did it. Yep, he just admitted he did it. But uh, both Trump and Biden are, I think they're both guilty of the same infraction. And what do you, what do you think, well, just out of curiosity, yeah. what do you think Trump is guilty of doing? Uh, I think he's guilty of letting somebody put a bunch of stuff in boxes and taking it to his house. He didn't know what was in those boxes. It's just what happens. A whole bunch of stuff got moved and somebody else moved it, and he's never going to look in those boxes. He didn't know what was in those. Well, then why were, why were those boxes being kept under lock and key at Mar-a-Lago, where Joe Biden's boxes were just tossed in the garage? I would suggest that Joe Biden had no idea what was in there, but I think Donald Trump did know what was in there, and I think he had a right to possess it. Are you concluding that Donald Trump had no right to possess classified documents, that as president he had authority to declassify? Well, I think neither one of them should have taken any either thing. And well, so they're both no, but how would, how would we accomplish that, Donald Jay? Donald Trump uh, just no. keeps everything under lock and key. Donald no, Trump he does more Well, I, I think he kept, he kept those documents separately, and when Archive said, hey, we don't think the locks are sufficient, they changed the locks, and they upgraded all the locks that were on it. So I think, but, but I still haven't got past this point, and that is, how do you know Donald Trump didn't say, I want to take these documents with me, and, and I'm going to declassify them, and I'll take them with me. He had the power to do that. 
How do you know he didn't legally possess those documents? Well, I think if he was going to declassify him, he should be, you know, working on his next uh, PhD thesis. That's you're changing the subject. Know what do he was you, there. Do you have any reason to believe Donald Trump didn't legally declassify the documents and take them home with it? Uh, I have, I, I, I do not know, and I really don't care. I think it was an infraction, and uh, he's well, guilty hold on. of What's it. The inf- he if he declassified the documents and took them home with him as he was legally allowed to do, what's the infraction? I think the infraction is they were not officially declassified. It's a- well, but I just asked you if you had any reason to believe. Okay, fine. Let's go to Brahim. Brahim, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Hey, buddy, buddy, I've run into these protesters from the Portland Public Schools two times, once in front of a business and once in my neighborhood. They are disruptive, rude, immature children making lots of noise. Now, we've had COVID in no school, and now this in no school, but I had a second thought. Maybe, maybe it's good we don't have no school. If this is the examples, the kids are going to follow, and the only hope is school choice. That's the only way to fix it. Yep. I agree with you. Now, the question is, there is a school choice measure that's going to be voted on in or I believe it's going to make the ballot and I believe that Oregonians will approve it. But somebody wrote to me earlier today and I think they had a great idea. Rahim, you know, under the contract that teachers are not required to be paid for the days that were they were on strike. Right. Right. Okay, but you also know that in most union negotiations, at least in the northwest, One of the things they negotiate is, by the way, we'd like to be covered. We'd like to get paid for the days we were on strike and didn't teach. If the Portland Public Schools wanted to end this strike by Monday, they could say, guess what? No matter what else happens, we are not going to pay you for the days you've been off. So if you're planning on being on strike all the way to Thanksgiving and past there and into December, just plan on not getting paid for those days. You think if they did that, the union might come to its senses? One more thing. I want a refund of my taxes. This is ridiculous. I just spent a pile of money on the property taxes, let alone what I sent to Oregon State tax for education. And they're not even working. And if they don't pay them, where does that money go? I want it coming back to us. I think that's a great idea. Throw it back into the kicker and give it back to the taxpayers. And how about this? Your tax dollars also support Oregon State University, which currently has a fake eight Indian on its staff. And Oregon State University will not talk about what they're going to do about the fact that somebody who apparently engaged in intellectual fraud claimed to be a Native American may have even received her position uh, as uh, I say her, even though it's supposed to be a non-binary person. So it may have received its position at OSU under false pretenses. I think OSU should make it clear, if you're paying taxes to support this institution and we've got a fake on our staff, we need to get that fake suspended and off the staff as soon as possible. It's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. 
But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.